Welcome to Lockdown Blackhawks for Friday, December 6, 2019. The Blackhawks won a game. They beat the Boston Bruins 4-3 in overtime. Lots to get to breaking down that game. By the way, my name is Jay Zawoski. Hi, how's it going? Hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a good Friday morning. I'm in a good mood. The Blackhawks won. The Bears won. It's going to be a good weekend, right? That's what that means. That's what it has to mean. Anyway, welcome to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to get in touch with me? Easy to do. LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com at LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. You can follow my personal account as well at jayzawaski 670 Make sure you also check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, the podcast I've been doing for five years with my partner, James Naveau. New episode should be out probably Saturday. We'll probably wait for the game Friday to be played and record a show for Saturday. So check that out. There'll be one coming soon. Anyway, really great hockey game last night in Boston. And I'm at the end of Thursday's podcast. I said, hopefully we'll have a smile on our face when Friday's podcast begins because the Blackhawks will have beaten the Boston Bruins. And although it got a little scary at the end, I'm not going to let that dampen what should we should feel good about this win as Hawks fans. We should feel good about this win. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty, but the Hawks played very well for most of the game against one of the best teams in hockey, probably the best team in hockey. And they did it without Duncan Keith. They did it without Drake Kajula. They did it with two guys you probably would not prefer to have in a lineup in Dennis Gilbert and Slater Cuckoo. Olimato was out last night as well. So a lot to feel good about in this game. The way it started, you could tell the Hawks were, I don't know if nervous is the right word. I don't know if tentative is the right word, but I think they were aware of who they were playing and aware of how badly it could have gone. And I don't know if you saw during the game, John Bucicross from ESPN tweeted, are the Hawks always this easy to play against? Sort of saying that they they don't check very hard, they don't pressure a lot. I think the Hawks were just trying to get their legs under them a little bit early in this game and get the feel for it. But once they saw that they could play, once they saw that they could hang, they started to push the issue a little more. They started to press. They controlled play for parts of this game, and it wasn't going to be... Look, I don't know if the Hawks can dominate anyone anymore. Maybe at one or two games a month, they might just really have a night where everything goes perfectly and they look really great. But overall, they're not the kind of team that's going to go out and dominate anybody. But there were moments in this game where the Blackhawks were taking it to the Boston Bruins. And we've got to give credit. The Ryan Carpenter line with him and Smith and Doc played really, really well last night. They had early in the game a couple possessions where they had the Bruins pinned deep for a long time. I think Doc had a really good game last night. Controlling the puck, aggressive. One thing just sort of in general that I didn't love from the team was their lack of willingness to shoot. I saw Doc when he didn't have a play to make, would take a shot. That's a change in mindset for him. That means that something Jeremy Collins telling him is getting th- getting through to him. He still did try to do the deke through it, the toe drag through a defender sort of a thing that still has not worked for him. 
When it works, it's going to be awesome, but I'm not sure what the percentages are of his success rate this year. It hasn't been good. He can pull off the first part of the move, but he can't seem to get around the defender and control the puck beyond that. So, anyway, small little complaint, but overall really good. Robin Leonard was great, especially early. He made a couple big saves to keep the Hawks from getting behind one or two to nothing in the early minutes of that game. And then from there, things turned around. And we'll, as we always do, we'll get to the pluses and minuses of this game. But two guys I want to pinpoint, aside from Doc and that line, Dylan Strome, welcome back. He was terrific. He was ever doing, I mean, obviously scored a goal, his sixth of the season. But he just had a really solid game and was a factor right away. And when I talked on Thursday's podcast about how you can maybe see the Hawks pulling themselves out of the tailspin they were in. There were a couple things I laid out there. One of them was Dylan Strom coming back from injury and picking up where he left off, right? Having the solid point production that he's had really since he's joined the Blackhawks. He's been a pretty solid point producer. So him coming back was key number one. The other one was Alex Dabrinkit to start picking up the pace, scoring goals again. It had been 12 games since Alex Dabrinkit scored a goal. His last goal was November 9th. Guess what happened? That's right. Alex Dabrinkit scored a goal. He had so many good looks early in the game, too. So many chances to score and didn't. And, oh, you could just see the frustration growing in him. There was a play where he had a good look and the puck just rolled off his stick. And then he had the one-timer that was denied, and or shot wide, rather. He had He's had so many chances lately. And before the game, Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek were sort of trying to analyze what was going on with the Brinkett. And Eddie O said, look, as long as he's still getting chances... You're good, right? You don't worry too much. And that was the case. DeBrinkett had been getting chances. I think over the score, the goalless streak, he had something like 35 shots in those 12 games, which is pretty good. It's not outlandish. It's not amazing. But that's solid production. And a lot of those chances, I'd say in the slump, he probably had one or two scoring chances a game where you said, wow, if he was going right, he probably would have scored on at least one of those, right? But great to see him get the monkey off his back score that goal, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, this can sort of get the Blackhawks and especially DeBrinkit rolling in the right direction, and now that he's gotten it done, now that the slump is over, he can start a whole new scoring streak, and that's that's a, another part of what, you know, uh, Foley and Olchek were saying was, now once once he gets this one, now the floodgates might open, Right? So let's hope that's the case. Let's hope uh, Alex Dabrinkit returns to the form we're used to him playing at. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go, if you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. 
It's Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As we do after every game, let's go over the pluses and minuses. And like I said last segment, there's going to be a lot more pluses today. Let's start like we always do with the pluses. First plus of the game goes to Alex Dabrinkit. I will not play the hallelujah chorus again, but to see him get off the schneid and score that goal was huge for him and huge for the team. He played 18 minutes and five seconds last night. Uh, obviously had the goal, three shots on goal, one more missed shot. He had two hits of his own as well. So really solid game for Alex Dabrinkit. Ryan Carpenter scores his first goal as a Chicago Blackhawk. Puts back a rebound shot. Nice game for him. Good to see him get rewarded. He's been, you know, although he's not an offensive juggernaut by any means, he's played uh, pretty solid all season. So nice to see him get rewarded with a goal. Calvin DeHaan played 25 minutes and 26 seconds last night. Picked up an assist. He was a plus two. Two shots on goal. One shot blocked. Three shots missed. Four hits and three block shots of his own. Terrific game for Calvin DeHaan. That's, if, if Calvin DeHaan plays like that, he's going to do a really good job and be very, very solid and reliable. And him and Murphy are going to be the ones who have to pick up the slack with Keith out. How did Murphy do? Glad you asked. Two assists, 22-01 of ice time, four shots, one shot blocked against him, one shot missed. He also blocked a shot of his own. Uh, another solid game for Connor Murphy. He was out there when overtime started uh, against the Bruins. So good to see him play as well as he did. Kind of a bounce back from the Colorado series where he did, was not great. Uh, good bounce back for Connor Murphy. How about the special teams? The Boston Bruins were 0 for 4 on the power play. That's a great job by the Blackhawks against a super talented, really good team. Now, they gave up some shots. They got some really good scoring chances, and Robin Leonard was there to stop them. But 0 for 4 on the power play for the Bruins, so the Hawks perfect on the penalty kill. The Hawks also picked up a power play goal. They were 1 for 3 on the power play. So the special teams absolutely came through. And we should probably mention him every night because, you know, just another ordinary game for Patrick Kane. Picked up an assist, 21-55 of ice time, five shots on goal, and a takeaway. So another uh, active and creative night for Patrick Kane. You could see uh, throughout the game a lot of guys trying to get the puck over to Alex Dabrinkit, by the way, um, trying to help him get that goal. Dylan Strom had a moment where he had an open look during the game, didn't take it. And realized, nah, I should have shot that puck. But Strom deserves a second mention. One goal, one assist, 18-29 of ice time, uh, three shots, and he won 50% of his draws. So really solid game for him. One guy was not going to give a plus two is Jonathan Taze, but that overtime winner, pretty clutch, pretty sweet move, very reminiscent against that blue, that goal against the Blues. Three shots on goal, three hits for Taves. Uh, three more shot attempts, and he won 61% of his faceoffs. So these are the sort of games that you want to see. These are the sort of efforts you want to see. And Robin Leonard, I have a quote here from after the game, talked about how he knows the team is good. This is from Ben Pope's uh, Twitter account. 
Robin Leonard says, quote, We've shown in spurts we're a good team. We've just got to start doing it consistently. It's the same thing in the third period today. We're doing some things that are unacceptable that we just need to take out of our game, and it'll be fine. Now that brings me to the minuses. Not a lot today. There are individual moments in the game that I'm going to say are minuses. The first of which, Eric Gustafson flat falling down. Not great. (laughs) You don't want that happening. That's the first minus. That led to a goal, by the way, if you missed it. Second minus, Slater Cuckoo, who made some decent plays last night, literally centered a pass from along the boards to the center of the ice, and it led to a Bruins scoring chance. They didn't score, but it was really brutal. And the third minus is the third Boston goal, total chaos from the defense. They illustrated it very well during the game. The Hawks were in good position. They had four defenders evenly spaced out. Gilbert goes into the corner for a hit, and then Brent Seabrook leaves the front of the net. When I saw it initially, I thought Gilbert had made the mistake. It looked like he was being over-aggressive trying to make a hit, which is seems to be his number one priority. I like Gilbert, by the way. Not, critici- not criticizing him. He brings some physicality the team surely needs. But I, I thought in that moment that was his mistake. But no, Seabrook is supposed to man the front of the net there, and he went to try to take the puck away from the, the uh, Boston player that was behind the net. That's what led to that goal. It was still a really good shot. But, you know, those are the sort of things. When you're playing a team as good as Boston, you give them a little window, and they're going to make you pay. And that was the case. But fortunately, the Hawks came away with the win. They got the two points. You don't really mind giving Boston one more point because it's not going to matter for them anyway. They're going to make the playoffs barring some disaster. And you take two of your own. So a good start. Next up, the New Jersey Devils. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And tonight's opponent is the New Jersey Devils, like we do on every game day. Let's go behind enemy lines. The Devils are second to last in the Eastern Conference with 22 points. They're 9-14-4. They have a minus 32 goal differential. In their last 10 games, they are 4-6-0. If you missed the news... They have a new head coach, Elaine Nezredine, who played seven games with the Blackhawks back in, what would it be, probably the 90s? Maybe the 2000s? Let's do some real-time show research, shall we? To the internet, Elaine Nezredine. Very handsome man, by the way. At least he was when he played. Seven games for the Hawks in 1998-99. And boy, who could forget Elaine Nezredine's time with the Blackhawks? What a memorable, memorable time it was for all of us, really. I can't wait to write the Elaine Nezredine chapter in my book. Anyway, so new coach. Sometimes, you know, you get the old new coach boost and uh, you play a little more intensely than you planned on. And I don't know, maybe that will happen with the Devils. It would be really, really disappointing for the Blackhawks to beat the Boston Bruins and then lose to the New Jersey Devils. It would also be the hockeyest thing ever. So... (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. I expected the Bruins to trounce the Hawks last night, and they didn't. So who knows? I'm going to predict that the Devils trounce the Hawks. So maybe I'll keep that trend going and just predict that every game. 
and then I'll look smart when the Hawks keep winning, right? Maybe. Who knows? Leading scorers for the Devils. Yeah, you guessed it. Taylor Hall in 27 games, four goals, 18 assists for 22 points. Kyle Palmieri, second, 27 games played, 10 goals, 8 assists. Nico Heischer. I always stop myself from saying Hersher. Nico Heischer, five goals, 11 assists in 25 games. Blake Coleman with nine goals and six assists, 15 points. Nikita Gusev, five goals, seven assists, 12 points. You're asking yourself, what about number one overall pick, Jack Hughes? Yep, 24 games, four goals, seven assists for 11 points for Jack Hughes. Um, But this is a team that came into this season with some high expectations. Obviously, the Jack Hughes draft, that's, you know, people think of him as the next Connor McDavid, whatever. Uh, they traded for P.K. Subban, who's a minus 12 in 27 games. He has two goals and three assists. And uh, they also picked up one of my favorite players, Wayne Simmons. He's got 11 points in 27 games. But overall, the Devils have been a huge disappointment. That's why John Hines got fired the other day. And Elaine Nezardine was brought in as the interim head coach. We'll see. We'll see how it works out for Nezardine. Maybe he can do something and earn the job full-time. Let's go look at the uh, advanced statistics, always courtesy of Natural Stat Trick. I haven't said this in a while, so I want to remind everybody, if you're not hip to advanced statistics, go to the description of this podcast. I have links for Natural Stat Trick's glossary and an Advanced Stats 101 piece from The Athletic that are really good places to get started with nat- with uh, advanced statistics. So make sure you check those out. It's in the description of every podcast I do on Lockdown Blackhawks. All right, so the New Jersey Devils are 25th overall in possession with a 48.04 Corsi percentage. That's 1,090 shot attempts for and 1,179 shot attempts against. The Blackhawks right under them at 26th overall. They have a 47.6 Corsi percentage 1,232 shot attempts for, so significantly more shot attempts for the Hawks, but they also give up a ton more, 1,356 shot attempts against. When we look at the high danger scoring chances, which is always fun to do, the uh, New Jersey Devils are 18th in the NHL. They have a 49.73 high danger uh, chances for, 186 to 188. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, are 28th ahead of only the Rangers, Blues, and Jets with a 45.35, 239 high danger chances for, 288 against for the Blackhawks. So it's going to be uh, an opportunity. This is, you know, a, a theme of this podcast has been missed opportunities for the Blackhawks. They've had chances to make hay, to pick up some points. The New Jersey Devils provide that chance for the Hawks. New coach, new system. We saw what happened when Jeremy Cowton took over for the Blackhawks last season. It was a disaster for the first couple of weeks. Then they figured things out. It'll be interesting to see how the Devils respond tonight against the Hawks. Will they have the new coach bump? Or will they you know, sort of fall back into where they've been all year? Which is one of the most disappointing teams in hockey. Interesting, you know... I've always been a big P.K. Subban fan, and it struck me as odd when Montreal moved him to Nashville. But you say, okay, you know, maybe, you know, Montreal is like an old school town, and, and you know, P.K. Subban is not your traditional sort of hockey player, and not just the fact that he's African-American, but he was a guy that would 
he was vocal. He would talk. He would go out in, in the media, and he would promote himself. And that's not something that is typically done in hockey by any athletes, black or white or whatever. Then he's moved to Nashville, which seems like the perfect place for him. You know, he's he's in a place that's a new hockey market for the most part. They've picked up popularity over the last five or six years. You bring in this charismatic, exciting player, and then he's traded from Nashville. Now he's in New Jersey, really struggling. I don't know what the deal is with Subban. And early this year, we went over the um, players poll that the Athletic did. And P.K. Subban was, I don't know if he was the most overrated, but he was definitely among the most overrated players as voted by the players. And I wonder if that personality that we see on TV is the real personality. I don't know. There's just something weird. Why can't P.K. Subban stick? He was a good player up until this year. And I'm not going to say that he sucks now because the Devils are bad. Because they are. The Devils are really bad. I'm not blaming him for that. But it's just interesting to see a guy who seems so charismatic, who is such an electrifying talent, to not be able to settle in and find a home. Again, I get the Montreal thing, but I don't get why it didn't work out for him in Nashville. I really don't. All right, I mentioned this uh, after, I think, Thursday's show. Monday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks will be episode 50. And this was a very uh, daunting project for me to take on. I'm not quitting. Sorry. If it sounds like I'm quitting, I'm not quitting. I promise. <laughs> but episode 50, uh, you know, it's it's over two months in now. And you guys have started to become really responsive on email and voicemail and all those things. So I know you're out there. I see the numbers after every podcast and they continue to blow me away. So thank you for all the help. Thank you for all the support. Um, before I continue my little spiel here, um, let your friends know if you got a friend that loves hockey, if you've got a, you know, someone you just run into like, Hey, by the way, you know, I see you're wearing a Hawks Jersey. Check out this podcast. It's really great. I think you'll like it. That sort of stuff helps. Make sure when you do listen to the podcast that you're subscribing and rating and reviewing. And, and if you're on Twitter and you feel so inclined, share the episodes. All these things are super helpful. But I'm asking for your help in another way right now. I want to know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like. Do you like when I go over the statistics? I know it can sound a little bit minutiae when I start reading Corsi percentages and things like that. I want to give you a preview of the team. Maybe I should start doing more interviews with Lockdown hosts for short previews of the game. Maybe that would be a better way to go behind enemy lines. You guys tell me. I'm interested to know what sort of feedback you have about the show. What are things that work? What are things you don't really love or don't really get much out of? I won't take it personal unless you make it personal, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing some feedback as I sort of reevaluate. Not reevaluate, but, but evaluate where the show is right now and how it can get better. I'm always trying to make the show better for you and for any new listeners that find it. I want it to be as interesting as possible. So what are the sort of things that you enjoy? As a sports radio producer, my mindset has always been guests are great, but the listener typically wants to hear what the host has to say themselves. And I am very aware of overloading a show with guests. That said, if it's a game night, does a five-minute hit every now and again make sense? It's probably not possible every night because... Other hosts are busy. They got to record their own podcast too. But is that something you would like to hear? Or do you like sort of the format we do now where 
we have a guest on if there's a big story or a big divisional game and sort of stick stick it that way. The other thing is I was just sort of starting to consider bringing in some more local Hawks guests. You know, somebody like a Scott Powers from The Athletic or James Neveau, my Madhouse podcast partner, just to hear another voice talking some Blackhawks. I don't know. I, I'm sort of leaving it up to you. It's, there's no rush on this. Just think about it over the weekend, and if you want to send me an email, lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. I'd appreciate some feedback uh, and uh, and all that good stuff. I, I want to make the show as good as it can be. You know, I'm trying to make it different from the Madhouse podcast because I want both audiences to have a reason to check out each podcast. I think by just having the Madhouse podcast and repeating what I said all week on Lockdown does a disservice to the podcast that I grew and built from nothing. And the Madhouse is a big part of the reason why this podcast has been so successful because I feel like 90%, 95% of the Madhouse audience has come over with me here. And I greatly appreciate that. So I'm trying to keep it different so there's value in each listen. Um, so how can that be better? How can we make Lockdown better? I would really appreciate your feedback and your thoughts. Uh, you're the audience. I am bringing you a product. It's for you, not for me. So let me know what you think. Blackhawks at gmail.com. Remember, Talk Back Tuesday as well is coming up. I want to give some advice for the voicemailers. Keep them short if you can. When I say short, I mean 25, 30 seconds. I've gotten a couple that are kind of stream of consciousness, which are great, and I listen to them, but it makes it hard to air because I have to edit out so much of it, and then I don't want to devalue what you're saying. So if you can keep it tight, you know, 15 to 25, 35 seconds, that would be absolutely perfect. Um, but again, the feedback has been great. The listener participation has been great, and I want to make this podcast as great as I can for you, the listeners, now that we've hit, well, that we will hit on Monday, the 50-episode mark. So thank you so much for your support so far. That's going to do it for today's edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. My name is Jay Zawoski. I want to tell you, by the way, I haven't mentioned this yet, all the music on this podcast is original. It's written by my guitar teacher, Greg Henkin. If you want to check out his website, it's gregsguitarlessons.com. But all the music you hear on Lockdown Blackhawks, aside from the military drums uh, that we do for um, Behind Enemy Lines, all the guitar riffs you hear, all that stuff, written and performed by Greg Henkin. So, Greg, thank you so much for doing that for me. If you're looking to learn guitar, look up Greg Henkin, gregsguitarlessons.com. He, he teaches the lessons via Skype. He does it in a very... Um, easy to understand way he can very easily detect how, what skill level you're at and what you need help on greg's great don't waste time if you're looking for guitar lessons hit him up gregsguitarlessons.com and when you do make sure you tell him you heard about him on lockdown blackhawks and tell him that jay zawaski sent you it would mean a lot to me and it would make him know that hey writing some music for the show actually paid off all right with that have a great weekend thank you for being here for me on lockdown blackhawks we are part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day. We will talk to you on Monday for episode 50. Take it away, Greg. Greg.